Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Something to always be thankful for. We will finish the last lesson in, um, on this series in t that was titled Praise Ye the Lord. We started out with Psalm 1, then we went to Psalm 23, and then we went to Psalm 1 uh, or Psalm 51. And then today we're going to end with Psalm 150. Psalm 150, a uh, great uh, encouraging and just kind of get you moving kind of psalm. And we're going to connect the first one to the last one in this lesson today. Psalm 150 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with string instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. And our focus verse is this last one. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. We're going to talk about this today, that we were created to worship. Let's lift our hands and pray for our lesson this morning. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for the breath you give us. Let us return it in praise unto you. And now, God, let our ears hear the word. Let it find good ground in our heart. God, we're going to praise you for it forever. Let it change us and make us better. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Give the Lord another hand clap for his word. Aren't you thankful for the wonderful word of God? Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated this morning. So in these lessons we have made that are like personal decisions with each one. And this one would be that I will praise the Lord. I'm going to praise him. Because the truth is, is God designed all of creation to worship him. We were all designed to worship him. Psalm 34 and 1, the psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Praise is to God. Praise goes to him who is worthy of all glory and honor. Praise is to God. Praise is not predicated on how I feel. Praise is not predicated on my current location. It is not predicated on the outcome of a situation. And praise is not predicated on what I see or think. Because praise is to God. And no matter how I feel, where I'm at, what just happened, what I see or think, God's still good. And God's still worthy of all praise, honor, and glory. Paul and Silas found themselves uh, in a jail cell simply for preaching the word of God. And as they were locked tight, chains on their hands and feet, stripes on their back from being whipped, it said they began to pray and sing praises unto God. The fact of the matter is, is I am a creation made in his image, and I was made to praise my creator. 
That is why I am here. All of nature worships God. And the thing about worship and the thing about praising God is it's more than just the words that cross your lips, but it is to point to the Creator. Praise always points to the one uh, that the praise is directed to. You don't praise God so people will look at you. So if you, so if you try to get silly praising God so somebody will watch you, well, you just missed the whole thing. But I'm going to walk on my hands across the front of the church today and clap my feet. And then, well, I did it to the Lord. You did it for a circus act. Go on and tell the truth. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to draw attention to ourselves. We're trying to draw attention to the Lord. The psalmist David wrote this in Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 through 9. Uh, he said, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou made him to have dominion over the work of thy hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep, oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, whatsoever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And so what David was seeing here is how... Handiwork of God, the creation, and, and, and what was it that taught David of God's greatness, of his uh, concern for humanity, and even more unexplainable, his insistence to crown us with glory and with honor? Well, David said it was the night sky, it was the moon and the stars that taught David these things, it was the heavenly bodies by their beauty and their majesty because they live to praise their creator. You know, when if you were to ever go into, uh, and I've never seen it in person, seen photos, I'm sure it doesn't do it justice, but if you were to ever go into the Sistine Chapel and walk in and look up at that ceiling that Michelangelo painted, you, know, you would just be in awe of what you saw and, no one would have to tell you, hey, you know that Mike, he's a pretty good painter. Because the work itself would declare the type of artist he is, the creator that he is. There's, there's people who can uh, look at a certain building and they can say, give you the name of the architect because they recognize this is his style and that's uh, what he does and this is who it is. And, and when they see that building, nobody has to tell them, Oh, that architect, uh, he's a great builder. He's a mastermind because his handiwork declares the kind of architect that he is. When we went to Colorado on our men's trip, I had never been to Colorado. And I'd always wanted to go. I'd seen pictures and thought, wow, that's wonderful. And as we drove through that national park, we stopped in one overlook and got out and we turned back and viewed the mountains. And, and I can tell you that uh, I was overwhelmed, and I, I felt tears coming into my eyes. I thought, 
I've never seen anything this marvelous or this beautiful. And you know, I didn't think of one single person. I thought about God. I thought, I know who made this. And hey, look, there were cars coming by. There were roads uh, that man had made, but it didn't even factor into that because I was looking at what God had made. And and I thought, what an incredible creator and Savior. I, I told somebody as we went, we had a wedding at Jekyll Island just a few couple of weeks ago, and, and I said, whenever I stand next to the ocean, I said, I just feel close to God because the Bible talks about him holding the, the seas in the hollow of his hand. And I said, every time I walk out into the water, I think I'm just in his hand. And uh, we've been on the beach at night when the moon was full and the waves were coming in. It's just a beautiful sight to be out there looking at that great big full moon coming down on the ocean, shining and glimmering. And you know what? I don't think about, wow, look what people have made. I think, look what God has done. And that's what the psalmist was saying here is that when I look at everything, the stars and the moon and this night sky, and I think about you, God, I wonder why did you create us? And why uh, have you made us like this and given glory and honor unto man? Well, if mountains and moons and stars and all these things that are so beautiful, if they testify and declare the glory of God, how much more should we that are created in his image declare the wondrous works of God? Creation is teaching something, telling something, and and it's always been like that uh, uh, In Romans, Paul wrote this, Romans uh, chapter 1 and verse 20. He said, for the invisible things of him, which are God, for the invisible things of God from the creation of the world, they're clearly seen and they're understood by things that are made. The invisible things of God, they're clearly seen and understood by things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. You can, you can see who God is through creation. You can begin to understand that there is an, an almighty, a, a, a creator, a savior. And then when uh, you look at us in his image, you see uh, as in, in Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. Well, now we have him living inside of us. And when people see us, what do they see? Are we teaching anybody about the creator? When they see our lives, do they see praise? Uh, Do they see things that gives God glory? Do they see things that make people go, wow, there must be something different going on with them? Uh, Because, yeah, I know they're just human, but there's something about the way they walk, something about the way they talk, something about the way they, they uh, handle themselves and, and interact with people. There's just something different about them. And it's us that gets to say, I am what I am, as Paul said, by the grace of God. I am his creation, and, and I was created to worship him, and I was created to praise him and, and to show forth who he is. Even Jesus, the scripture says, he was the image of the invisible God. But he came, well, he came to die and he came to save us. Well, sure he did. That's part of his purpose. But also, 
he came to this, 1 John 5 and 20, says, and we know that the Son of God has come and given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. He came to declare the Lord. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what he said. For God was manifest in the flesh. The Bible says we beheld God's glory in the face of the only begotten. And so Jesus did come to save us. He came to die, to be resurrected. He came to save us. But he came to give us understanding. And when they watched him walk in that flesh, when they watched him walk on water, and watched him turn water into water, watched him heal blinded eyes and raise the dead and, and give hope to the hopeless, he was showing them who God is. And we're in him that's true, even in his son Jesus Christ. That is the true God in eternal life. And so now that he's in us, every step we take, people watch where we are, what we do, how we act. And are we loving one another? Are we kind to one another? Are we showing the love of God? The Lord said, they'll know you're my disciples. They'll know you're my disciples. When they see how you love one another, Jesus said, you're the light of the world. A light is meant to give revelation and illumination. And, and so he said, now let, uh, uh, let those good works that you're doing shine forth so people will glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, give praise unto him. Anything that I am should be singing praise to my Lord. Every step I take should be singing praise to my God. We were designed as a vessel of worship. The psalmist said in Psalm 139 and 14, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Uh, we cannot forget who we are when we walk out of this room. Uh, I used to hear people, you know, make the statement. Uh, it, was a, it was an old statement, and people would talk about when Sunday was coming. They're going to put on this Sunday go-to-meeting clothes. And I understand that. They meant that's, they, 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 that's what they wore when they went to church, you know. But the problem with that is it, it becomes a, like an ideology. And it's like instead of just being nicer clothes that you wear on Sunday, it becomes your uniform for Sunday. And, and uh, once, you, once you step, you know, it's just like a football player. Once he steps off the field, he, he takes his uniform off. And, uh, I, but I don't want to uh, ever take off this uniform. I, I want to I make sure that I am not just uh, a Sunday go-to-meeting saint. Uh, I, 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 I don't want to just be praising him on Sunday because I was created to praise. Hey, if the, the heavens declare his glory, the sun comes up and goes down every day. You know, the stars come out every night. Uh, those mountains are there every day. So I, I've got to be there every day. I've got, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Our bodies are for the glory of God. We are designed as vessels of worship. Jesus said that the Lord is seeking to those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And the fact of the matter is, is that that's, that's what we should be doing, worshiping him in spirit and in truth. But how do you do that? People think, well, that's when you holler and, and run. And, no, no, it ain't just when you holler and run. A lot of people holler and run. 
At one place, they turn a bunch of bulls loose and people start hollering and running. It ain't got nothing to do with glorifying the Lord. That's more of tempting the Lord than it is anything. But uh, the Bible, Jesus said one place, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. And when he prayed for his disciples, he said, Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Listen, you'll never worship God any closer than when you are sticking to his word because his word is spirit and his word is truth. And when we live by his word, we are living by spirit, we are living by truth. And when we live by his word in spirit and truth, we are glorifying him because in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And, and so we realize that God is his word. And when I live by his word, I, I am glorifying him and magnifying him. And Jesus himself said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's how I, I that's how, yeah, sure, there are times when I say, you know, praise, when you praise God, it's more than just saying the word, praise the Lord. But you're praising God when you help the homeless or when you visit the widows or when you or show kindness and love to somebody, when you forgive somebody, you're echoing what God does and you're praising him because, because it's just like that painting that people see. and they say, Wow, Michelangelo, what an artist, just a master at what he did. Look at that. That's incredible. Look at that gift he had. And they just see that. Any painting he does, you're just like, wow, you're blown away by it. And then when people see you and you live in there, they go, man, look what God can do. Hey, you know, before he put that painting up there, there wasn't nothing there. It was just an old ceiling. But he made it what it is. And it's God that's made us what we are. And oh, some of us were just, whoo, in need of repair. But man, when I think of where I could have been, when I think of where I was, and then what God did for me, I hope people look and say, whoo, man, what a God. If he can change that fella. Man, I, was, I went to a funeral home the other night to see a guy, a friend of mine that passed away, known him, and I saw people I had not seen in 30, 35 years or better. And this one guy, he pulled me aside, and we were good friends, you know, in high school stuff. He said, man, I have wanted to say this, see you and say this ever since I saw, when I got connected with you on Facebook, you are the last person that I would have ever dreamed of that I would see preaching and pastoring and, and doing what you're doing. He said, the last person. He said, man, you used to wear them black leather gloves with them spikes. He said, scared me to death. He said, and you are the last person. But you know what? That just shows you what kind of work God does. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it ain't about what I say, but it's about people seeing what God has done, living the life uh, that's different, living the life that glorifies him. And, and, and that's what God wants. He desires for us to worship him. And our worship is more than just waving your hands and, and running as fast as you can. That's fine. Worship God. Dance and shout and, and roll in the floor if you need to. But, but friend, worship him with your life. 
Let it be more than, than, than your, your aerobics on Sunday, but man, let it be the life you live on your job. Let it be the life you live at school. Let it be the life you live wherever you go. Worship him. Because worship, man, at worship is about who you serve. And the psalmist understood when he wrote this that uh, it is our natural inclination as, as humanity to worship. And he understood that since we will worship something, and we will worship something, then we must set our hearts to worship God and God alone. In the wilderness, Satan even tempted Jesus with this. Took him up and said, look at all this stuff in the world. He said, I will give it to you for it's mine to give if you'll worship me. Well, you're going to worship something. You're going to worship something. And whatever you worship, that's what you will that's, that's the reflection you're going to put out there. That's, that's what people will see. And that's why the Lord said, you cannot serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. You'll cling to one, you'll despise the other. You're, you're going to worship one or the other. You, you, can't do a, you can't do both. That's why we're encouraged, don't love the world. Don't love the things that are in the world. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, all these things are not of the Father. You get tied up in them, you're worshiping something else, but you're not worshiping him, and, and people can see it. But when we give our love to him and when we uh, serve him and live for him, it's not so to make a reputation. Even all the miracles, the things that Jesus did, it was never about him. It was to point to him. It was to point to his father. He said, look, look, I'm not here to make a reputation for myself. I need you to know who I really am. I need you to understand something, but it's not so I can be famous. It's not so you can take me. They, you know, one place they wanted to try to take him and, and forcibly make him the king and do things. And he said, I didn't come for all that. I'm not here for a reputation. I'm here, I'm here to, to point you to the one that can save you. I'm, I'm here to help you. And that's, that's what our life is supposed to be is that, that everything we do, look, why are you like that? Because of the one who saved me. Why do you treat people like that? Because of the one who saved me. Why do you do the things you do? Because of the one who saved me. I'm trying to let people see that it's not me, it's him. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I, I want people to see that. And so this psalmist began to write, to praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. We need to worship the Lord only. The natural desire to worship. That's a reflection of God's purpose in us. He designed us to worship, but we need to worship him. And so God's desire and purpose for us all is to give our worship to him. He's the almighty, and he's the only one worthy of creation's worship. And so in Psalm 150, you know, like I said, we started out with Psalm 1, and now we're at Psalm 150, the very end of the book. And some of you musicians that really know music and stuff, maybe you'll get this. But in musical terms, Psalm 150 resolves all the chords that are held in suspense and dissonance throughout the earlier Psalms. At the beginning of the book of Psalms, Psalm 1, we are given exactly 10 descriptions of what the blessed man does. He walks not, stands not, sits not, delights, meditates in the day, meditates in the night, 
is planted by water, brings forth fruit, has unwithering leaf, prospers. Those 10 things. Then at the very end of the book of Psalm, we have Psalm 150, and it is playing a full-throated chorus of praise with exactly 10 instruments. Trumpet, psaltery, harp, timbrel, dance, stringed instrument, organs, loud cymbals, high-sounding cymbals, and then everything that hath breath. They're like bookends. And the connection is this, and we must recognize that in Psalm 1, the one who walks according to the word of the Lord will ultimately end this journey in a state of pure praise. The blessed man will ultimately end his life in a state of pure praise. The seeds that were planted in Psalm 1 come to full flower in Psalm 150. When we plant the tiny seed of delighting in God's word, in the end it blossoms into the highly disciplined praise of the blessed. Oh, I want to be that blessed man. But if I am, it, it, people will know it because of the praise that I'm singing to him. God created us to praise him. He created us to worship him. And, and it's more than, 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 yes, it's all about music and singing. But then he said, if you don't have any of these instruments, you got breath. And that don't just mean talking. If you're, if you're breathing, you're living. So I, I want to, how are you living? Are you living for him? Are you living a life that, that just shows forth praise? Every time I see, it'll never get old. Whenever I see an ocean, I'm going to think about God. I don't ever see it and go, man, people are awesome. Oh, I see, most times I see the ocean and I'll go, people stink because there's trash floating in it. You know, that's, but when I see, see the ocean, I think, man, God's awesome. Where I see those mountains again, they'll never lose the effect of how be I never get tired of going outside at our house at night in the country with all the lights off and just looking at the stars and shooting stars and, and then sometimes just the planets that you can see and then uh, when that full moon comes out over there or that sun is coming up, man, those colors hit or it's going down and those colors hit and you just think, Look, you, you never think, look what man has done. You always think, look what God has done. And he does it every day. It, it, you know, well, so, some days, you know, it's just gray. But it's still happening. Whether I can see it or not, it's still happening. You know, that's the thing is whether people, because some days you feel, I feel gray. That's all right. Sometimes the sky is gray. God still made it. Sometimes I feel gray. That's okay. I like gray, actually. Gray's my favorite color. But, uh, but, you know, sometimes you feel like that, and you think, man, but God still made you. I just don't feel my best today. That's all right. God still made you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and, and so God figured into all the components there, hey, you know what? I'm going to make him just like that. Fearfully, they're wonderfully made. They're awesome. And someday, man, even things that God makes get sad. Even the things that God makes are troubled but they're still his, his creation. And so, uh, you know, hey, even this, this world he made is so beautiful. Storms, tornadoes, floods, fire, cold, hot. It's it, it, things that sometimes we're like, ooh, I don't like that. There's people right now, they're just miserable. They'll be miserable till summer because they hate winter. They just hate winter, but you need it. And God made winter. Learn to embrace winter. And then for those of us that hate summer, 
you know, hey, God created that heat. Uh, just believe him when he said, uh, you know, you won't wither. <laughs> just, you might burn. Get, get your sunscreen on still. But, you, but uh, what I'm saying is this, that the things that God creates, there's all so many facets to it. But our life should still, you know, how, how hot it is, how cold it is, his creation still is creation and it's still beautiful. You can see those mountains covered with snow and think, wow. And you can see them green with trees and go, wow, because it still is. It's awesome and wonderful. It, it doesn't change uh, how great the Creator is by what's going on in it. Uh, those, those works of His hands still declare His glory. And so I'm, I'm thankful today that, that, you know, that it, I can at least try to make sure that I am Blessing the Lord at all times. And his praise is continually in my mouth, sure, but that, that I'm walking. Hey, the scripture says that we should, uh, here's the whole, or here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. He asked Israel, said, what does God require of you? Well, to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. You know, to, to let people see that I serve him through the way I live. You know, before Noah, Peter called him a preacher of righteousness. I believe it was Peter said that, but the scripture declares Noah as a preacher of righteousness. But before I ever see him working on an ark or doing anything, God noticed his life because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He saw his life and and, uh, and, and, you know, he realized the way this man lives. Even before, no commandments yet, no Ten Commandments. Nothing like that. Nobody's sacrificing nothing yet. There's no Passover. There's no nothing yet. But this man knew about God, been passed down and passed down and passed down. <clears throat> and so he decided, I'm going to live for God, live my life fearful of God, not, not afraid like I'm cowering, but in reverence of God. And, and he was able to do that. And that's just the way he lived. And so God went to him because the rest of the world was wicked. And he said, I can see just by the way you live that you fear me and that you reverence me. Even Job, God knew about Job. He said, have you considered my servant Job? He fears God and hates evil. He said, I can tell by the way he lives, things that he does, that he worships me and that he and people know know who they know who Job is. Now we know who Job is because of the way he lived his life. And so people can tell by the way that you live your life. And so when we remember those those that's that first lesson about Psalm one being that blessed man and remember that's going to end you up in Psalm one fifty. It's going to come to that high note. Boom, that's it. That everything that has breath praise the Lord. And you'll realize that living your life for God will be a life of praise that will help direct people. People will see that you're, that you're holding it together and say, what you got? What's going on with you? Why don't you come to come, let's talk. And then you can say, why don't you come visit with us and see this, about this God that we serve and this God that we worship. And that's how it was in creation. God created all those things and those heavens declare his handiwork. 
he opened up saying, let there be light. And that creation scene continued until man and woman were created and they were keeping that perfect garden. The Old Testament is filled with the things that God did, his deliverance of Israel out of Egypt, bringing them through the Red Sea and battles won with only trumpets and lanterns and armies that were defeated because God set the ambushments out and destroyed them and fought for his people. And, you know, but you, those, that's why the psalmist wrote, praise him in Psalm 150 and 2, praise him for his mighty acts. Well, besides all these things, I don't have to just praise him for what he did for Moses. I'd praise him for what he's done for me. Has he ever healed you? Healed you from a sickness? Or do you know somebody that you saw healed? Well, goodness, we could look at Brother Josh and realize that now that he should have been gone according to the doctors. That's a mighty act of God's mercy and grace and his, his healing power. And, and Or maybe he kept you. You know, you was in a, a, a few years ago, it just popped up on my uh, memories of the day where Brother Jason was in that terrible car wreck. Should have been gone. Should have left this world. But hey, still here. That's, that's a mighty act of God. Kept him. And all of us could think of something but God has restored us, gave us hope, fixed us, peace that he gave us. Uh, you know, Praise him for his mighty acts. I'm sure that we can find something to praise him for. You know, and, but be sincere in that praise. You know, just think, think of someone who's a, a very skilled musician or singer and they're singing one night or playing one day and there's another person playing right beside them, more of a novice just getting into this thing, you know. And at the end of the concert, somebody comes up to the very skilled uh, performer and says, just, that's the most incredible thing I've ever heard in my life and, and just begins to lavish them with compliments and praise. And that guy's going to walk, walk away thinking, yeah, all those years of practice, of hard work, and doing all this, I'm glad someone finally noticed that. That's awesome. And then while he's standing at the buffet, here's that same person complimenting the novice with the same exact compliment. That compliment just lost every ounce of meaning because the novice is not good. He's not as good. He hadn't got there yet. He's trying. That doesn't mean he's not going to get there, just not there yet. But the one who has put all that time and knows that he's done exceptional, knows all those things, but it doesn't mean anything anymore. It just lost all of its meaning because either the person doesn't know enough to discern between good and eh, or the praise was just simply words, breath, air, easily given, just common, just, just wanted to, and that's, where we find ourselves, we're not careful. Even the Lord complained to Isaiah and he said, oh, my people, yeah, he said, they, with, my, with their lips they honor me, they praise me, but their hearts are far removed from me. Even Jesus uh, mentioned that and, and it's mentioned again in the New Testament where uh, the danger of that said, you know, well, with their lips, yeah, they're praising me, but their hearts, they're not with me. And that's the difference because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so to fit in, we can, well, we can all shout praise the Lord. But God realizes 
Is that just empty praise? Or are you really thankful for me going to that cross for you? Are you really thankful that uh, I took those stripes? Are you really thankful that I gave my last breath and shed my blood? Are you really thankful that I filled you with the Holy Ghost? And are you really thankful that I'm coming back to get you one day? Oh, I don't want it to be empty praise. Uh, that's why I always say be careful about just in this world. They, they, people, they use his name just as an exclamation and it, it doesn't mean anything. And the Bible warns us about taking his name in vain and that's more than just saying that, that, that cuss word that everybody likes to use. But when you just shout his name because you, you know, stubbed your toe because you're mad, why would you just shout his name when you're mad? That's what people do. And uh, that's, that's not, there's no praise there. Nothing's happening when you do that except God going, mm. that's how, man, that's the name that's above every name. There's, there's no salvation in any other name but the name of Jesus. And so you don't use that name just any way. You don't just, it's that, as an, some kind of exclamation. Uh, but it's uh, it's who you pray to. It's 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 who you call on. It's it's who is coming back to get you one day. Getting ready to, to wind down here. So we 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 want to praise him. So the praise that one receives is only as valuable as the sincerity and discernment of the one who gives the praise. So we praise God according to His excellent greatness. And so those of us who have made God's word the delight of their soul we will ultimately praise God with the highest praise. So it's, it's one thing to praise God with our lips, but it's quite another to praise him with our whole being, to praise him with everything that we are. We talked about the instruments in this listed, 10 instruments listed in this Psalm 150. The number of instruments suggest an orchestra, a whole orchestra, every instrument needed for an ancient symphony. Now, that's different than just a band or a single musician. Orchestras will offer a great diversity of flexibility and subtlety. An orchestra contains all instruments necessary to play just about any piece of music. It can change genres. It has flexibility to meet the moment. An orchestra has certain brass and percussion instruments and enable it to play the high-tempo, large-sounding music. But it does not just have these pieces. It also has the recorder, the violin, and the lute. So when the music needs the lightest touch, the softest cry, or tender plea, the orchestra can also play that. We have many reasons to praise the Lord. The one who lives the life of the blessed man described in Psalm chapter 1 will eventually go from being able to give only solo performances of praise to God to offering an entire orchestra with a full complement of instruments. Here's what I mean. Every part of this person's life will praise the Lord. Their family life, their business, their friendships, their citizenship, their ministry, their thoughts, their integrity, their finances. Every part of their life will praise the Lord. Even this person's dreams, private meditations upon the past will ring with praise unto the Lord. So you can ask yourself, how many instruments in my life are praising God? Are you praising him with your friendships, but are you struggling in your private thoughts? How many instruments? Uh, it, I talked about that worship, and that praise being connected to our servitude. Paul wrote this in Romans 6, 13. He, he mentioned instruments. 
He said, don't yield your instruments as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members, your body, as instruments of righteousness unto God. And so you yield yourself, your members, your body, you, you yield that unto God in every place that you are, in your school, on your job, in your life, in your family, whatever you do, praise unto God. That's, and then you'll, have, you'll start building an orchestra of praise. And people will see that it doesn't matter what facet of life they're in. I just see God. And in ancient Israel, that's how children learned who God was. Because uh, Israel, Israel's praise was not to give God uh, some sort of ego boost. Because unlike us, God is not struggling with a fragile self-image. Israel's praise served the purpose of theology. And if you read their, their songs and their psalms and different things, you'll realize that it's not just, a, just an empty song. It's about what God's doing. The, these psalms, these songs would teach others about God's greatness, his great exploits, his tender mercies. That's why you read, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. It's telling you about God. His mighty power, the righteousness of his judgments, the holiness of his word. Miriam's song on the other side of the Red Sea taught future generations of God's superiority over false gods. David's praise taught later Israelites that God was high above all creation and yet as close as the mention of his name. When Moses spoke the words in Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. These words are in fact a shout of praise defiant cry against the pretender gods. And without the patriarchs and matriarchs' praise, Israel's theology would have been empty, no content. And then the young Israelites would never have known how great this God is. And so as important and essential as our corporate worship is, this is a call to ensure that us as individuals, that our whole life is praising God that every relationship is a form of God-honoring uh, God praise and that every private thought is captive to Christ. If when our whole human being is given wholly over to God, then that's when praise reaches that, that what they call that crescendo. That's where the earth-shaking uh, crescendo of Psalm 150, that's where it comes in. That kind of praise it's just like our lives literally shout, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let's stand together. When he said praise ye the Lord, it's not just a verbal command, it's the unspoken command of the soul. It's what people will hear from your life whenever they think about you. And as apostolics, we live our lives in such a way we want, uh, we want to live this life in praise unto God so that it teaches others. It's not so we can make a reputation for ourselves. It's just so we can teach others of the glory of God and then just compel them in a thousand ways. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So live your life as you were created to praise God. That doesn't mean that, uh, you know, I mean, how can someone who can't talk, they can't even voice that, but they can live it. 
And that's what God wants. He said, I want, I want what you're living because what you're living comes out of your heart. And I want my heart to glorify God. Come on, let's lift our hands together right now and just begin to love him. Oh, make that commitment. Oh, God, I love you. I just want to worship you, Lord. To worship you, I live. Oh, God, let every part of my life be pleasing unto you, God. Glory to your name. Oh, as we praise you with our lips, God, let it be out of our heart. Let it be sincere and true. Hallelujah. Oh, don't you love him this morning? Aren't you thankful for what he's done? Hallelujah. Oh, to worship you, I live, Jesus. Hallelujah. what I've learned in these 28, 29 years living for the Lord now is that you know, every once in a while you're just going to have to go back to the beginning and remind yourself, you know, creation was in the beginning God created and all these things that were created to praise Him and honor Him you look back, that's where they were created and the writer in Hebrews told us it called to remembrance the former days after you are illuminated. Remember, there's some things that sometimes, man, life just gets hectic and we get busy, we get bogged down, we just go through things and, and sometimes to get that life of praise resurrected again, we, we just have to go back and remember, man, I remember when God called me. I remember when God filled me. I remember when God washed me from myself. I remember when God turned the light on in me. And I, it's, you know, I, it's been a long time since January the 13th, 1993. But ever so often I go back and remember what I felt that night when God touched my life. And people say, well, how did you know it was God? I said, the only way I can tell you is that how a creation knows when the creator touches it. I said, that's the only thing I can tell you. I said, but it was God. And so, if you're struggling, go back to the beginning. 
Go back to that point where God touched you. On the Sistine Chapel, there's a that famous part where you see God reaching to touch Adam and says to give him life. Of course, we know he breathed into Adam and he became a living soul, but, but sometimes we just need that touch from God again. Lord, just touch me again. Even David said, create in me a clean heart and renew the right spirit in me. Get, get, get me back right. So all these psalms that we've gone through over the last few weeks build us up to that life of praise. So go back to Psalm 1. See what it takes to be that blessed man. Read about in Psalm 51 where about repentance. and Read Psalm 23 about who your shepherd is, who your uh, creator is, and then realize I have nothing to do but to praise him. Aren't you thankful for the Lord this morning? Let's give him a hand clap and a shout of praise. Hallelujah. What a great God we serve. Thankful for the Lord this morning. Let's find a place to pray before the next service. God bless you in Jesus' name.